Ho, 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 maiden. Wait, that's not how it goes. Ho, 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 Merry Christmas. Got it. That was perfect. As you can tell by my perfect Santa Claus impression, it's uh, the Made in China podcast Christmas period. We are three days to Christmas. I will not be in. Ch- I will be in China on Christmas, but I'm traveling the next day. I, I will be gone for a couple weeks. I'm not sure if we'll release an episode before the new year. I will try. I, I'm traveling and I've got a lot of work to do. Uh, it's kind of like the busiest time just before Chinese New Year or going into Chinese New Year, processing a lot of orders and things like that. But um, you know, enjoy the holidays. And this episode is hiring, firing, and managing a team in China. Mike talked about his experiences managing and and firing employees in the past. I talked about my current experiences hiring and managing our team. Um, I think it's a good episode if you're wondering what it's like to have employees that don't speak the same language as you, or at least you know English is their second language, and you have cultural barriers. Um, you know you have maybe things that you think should go certain ways and how to set up systems if you want to become eventually location independent and just generally managing a team. You know, we talked more about micromanaging. That's very important in China and just systemizing everything and how we do that and how that's beneficial. And then we also touched on a few horror stories from the past. So without further ado, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. If I don't have another episode out, and uh, I hope you guys have a good 2016. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. this podcast is about hiring firing and managing a team in china managing a team in general but specifically because we are in china talking about china so mike we left off we were talking about the hiring process how did you go through a hiring process in the past and i'll touch on how i've done it myself yes sir uh so I have had employees in China since probably my third year into China. So been about five years now and I've had different employees at different stages of those five years. So I've had a very different hiring process throughout my time in China. When I first started my first employee, uh, that was a time when I was just getting into sourcing, didn't have, uh, an abundance of experience and I was just kind of bootstrapping trying anything I could to to get going and supplementing things with teaching English in China um and the way I did it there was I blasted some advertisements out in Chinese and English on uh BBS boards which is a a bulletin forum site for uh college students so I knew that would be a way where I could get some interaction with some younger Chinese people who wanted to maybe work for a smaller company, maybe wanted to work with a foreigner and, and learn English. So that is initially how how I started to 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 get things off the ground. 
Yeah, that's a, it seems like that's a little bit of the trade-off in China, especially if you're going to go for the students. Is like people want to practice their English and the opportunity to work in a foreign company seems quite appealing for, for Chinese people. Yeah, for some. For others, they definitely want the more standard a uh, big Chinese company, very steady pay, very steady, uh, de- steady definition of of what's going to come, and they want to know exactly when they're going to get what. You know, the 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 bootstrapping sourcing uh, startup, excuse me, aspect isn't always appealing to to everyone out here, and a lot of them have have a hard time understanding it. You know, that entrepreneurial mindset isn't engraved in them especially when they have very good educations and they've come up in the chinese system throughout um you know some some of those people don't have those type of 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 mindset whereas a chinese person who maybe went to a trade school or you know had to work for themselves they might have a little bit more of a open mind and might be able to to pick things up a little bit quicker than than someone with a better quote-unquote education which is kind of I, I guess the same anywhere but but kind of contradictory right like like in the states you you often think if someone has uh, a good education they went to school they did a lot of different tasks and, and clubs and organizations and different projects at uh, any specific university they might be you know a better fit for for a smaller startup company coming out the gates don't you think Sorry, can you? This is a long question. Can you? <laughs> can you ask that again? I was just saying, in your experience, what do you think the difference is between Chinese people who have, um, you know, gone to the best schools and have a certain type of education versus a Chinese person that that might not have gone the traditional path? Yeah, I just think I think you know people who have gone to the best schools or come from like a successful family, they might be looking to work in a huge company or they might be looking to take over some family type business you know i don't think a lot of those people are thinking about starting their own businesses whereas i think if somebody comes from a little bit more of a you know difficult background or their parents had to hustle to get them to go to school and things like that yes they might want stability but i think they're also more likely to feel like I want to take care of my family and and go to the next level, which is maybe start my own business. So Mm -hmm. I think it's a balance, man. I think it depends. I think if you meet a Chinese person who comes from a a kind of upper middle class background, they go to an all right school, they, they study. I think that's the kind of person who's more likely to end up working in a startup company because they sort of especially these days with the internet and stuff, they sort of aspire to these companies that they see starting up in the States and they're more westernized and they kind of understand that startup culture more. Um, and that's kind of perfectly leading into how I've sourced our, no pun intended, sourced our uh, employees <clears throat> is I was teaching English at a private tutoring center, which is in the downtown of Guangzhou. And the students that were there were either upper middle class students or like really rich students. Um, and a few of them were, you know, coming from more, you know, lower middle class backgrounds, but going to good universities in Guangzhou. And all of these people were interested in Western culture and they've kind of grown up watching TV shows and listening to Taylor Swift or whoever it might be. <laughs> And, you know, they kind of, they get it. They get that startup culture. They see it. They admire it. Some of them were just interested in working in a startup. Some of them want to eventually start their own businesses. 
and you know that's why they kind of were interested in in working in our company so i i think yeah you kind of have to strike that balance of meeting somebody who's westernized to a certain extent and then you know kind of comes from a background where they will still work really hard because i feel like the guys who come from really wealthy families might be a little bit lazy um but upper like middle class upper middle class you know good education that that's probably who you're trying to aim for right yeah and i think it's it's just like hiring someone anywhere you know it's it's um how how they approach you when when you're in an interview you know just your intuition the feeling you get from them you know with with chinese people i like i like when people have a lot of questions about the job and they're actually asking about uh specific tasks and how things will get done you know they're taking real interest as opposed to someone who might just ask you know what am i getting paid right off the bat which in china happens all the time all the time people even saying like throwing out a price before they even know what the actual job is that's happened to me you know numerous times but um you know once you you feel comfortable with someone and you start to to work with them and give them a try i think uh in china it's much 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 not just because of the language gap but uh the culture gap and and the difference in education and upbringings it's much more day to day grind work you know it becomes your job especially in the initial stages to just be with that person and micromanage kind of down to a t um you know one because it shows them what you're doing in every aspect of the process but i think more importantly they 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 need to get a better idea and start to learn your mindset and how you approach things and i mean i think you can spend years with a chinese employee and they can never you know have just that but you know with with time and explanation it, it does get better for sure so one piece of advice i wanted to give before we move into management and firing and things like that um you know so a lot of people like myself when they come to china they might be in a position where they're maybe studying chinese or you're teaching english i'd say just keep your eyes open you know during that time period for me it was about 6 to 7 months where i was teaching english and like learning chinese i was meeting a lot of chinese people I was obviously like i said students and stuff and i always in my mind because i knew what my goal was to start a business i was always thinking you know i'm looking out for people that stand out to me so the even the for students sure, yeah. yeah the students that i was teaching i was like okay this person is smart they kind of they get it I would love to eventually, you know, hire this person. And even my coworkers, you know, even up to now I've got a couple of coworkers that I have in the back of my mind being like if we make if we start to make a certain amount of money per month, I would hire that person because then I could guarantee them income. But like yeah, so I my point is if you guys are going to come down whether you're studying Chinese or studying in a university for whatever reason or you're teaching English just keep your eyes open pay attention to the people that are around you start to make connections add people on WeChat Of course yeah and, I mean networking is obviously a huge part of it cuz even if that person doesn't have the time or it's just not a perfect fit you know if they have that like you said understanding and 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 you have that connection to them they're probably going to be able to give you a good recommendation So going into firing I haven't fired anybody yet but I know you you have <laughs> let's talk about that for a second uh man uh, it's happened a few times now uh with two situations it it actually got to a point where everybody knew that 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 it was going to happen so 
interestingly enough, both times when I, I brought the people in to have the conversation, they said, you know, I, I, I know what's going to happen and, and I'm ready to go too. And, you know, we made it through like that. But uh, the first time we had to fire somebody, I, I don't know. I, th- I think you just have to be honest with them. And, and that it takes time, you know, unless someone makes a drastic mistake or, or, or does something, you know, of moral issue, like, like steal from the company or something like that. But, uh, in my case, the first person we fired, he's just extremely lazy. And at that point we had a, like a bustling office and there was a lot of orders coming in. There was a lot of tasks to do. And, uh, you know, the, the other two employees that I had in the office at time were great and they were picking it up and, and, and we were all on the same path and, and, you know, Roy was just off there in right field a lot of the time. So, you know, we had, we had a lot of talks with them going up to that point, but how to fire him? I mean, it was just pretty clear cut. You know, this is, this is the way that the company's going this is what what's happening you know you see the other people in the office taking this this and this on you're not meeting deadlines you're not meeting goals you know your your head is obviously somewhere else you know we're just going to have to part ways i think how to fire is not necessarily something that people i mean yes you can train people how to fire but i think what people would be more curious about is what are the things they should look out for or what are the telltale signs that they should be firing? Their, their uh, I mean, for me, it's a, a big change in attitude or a big change in uh, in just the energy that that person's bringing to work every day. You know, if, if that happens, then, you know, their mind might be on a different path or they might have, have, have something pulling them away from, from the job. And if you don't address it early, and you know see what's going on and see how how you can help to make that that better and keep that person on track you know then it's just going to continue to 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 bend and and go a direction that you're not going at that time you know what i mean mm-hmm. do you okay how is how is that negative experience with with those guys how has that made you cautious about you know future staff that you hire uh, I think both of those situations, it, it was fairly early on and I'm just more if, it's straight business when, when I hire someone. So, so the early employees I had, you know, they, I got very personal with them because, you know, it was m- m- my baby in the company and just starting from, from a ground phase, they were very involved and bootstrapping it along the way. You know, I, I was, I was friends with these people. And, um, I think at a certain point, those, those, that becomes an issue, you know? So I think, of course you want to have a friendly relationship and, and have a good, uh, rapport with everyone in your office. But, you know, if people start becoming too comfortable, you know, like, the old the old saying is very hard to work with family and close friends you know what i mean mm-hmm. unless you're cold-blooded like me you know <laughs> that's right that's right unless you're rico and you just don't give a shit i just don't care i don't care <laughs> how long have i known you 20 years so what no, <laughs> you're gone fired <laughs> no, i'm joking um okay so let's get into the, the meat and potatoes i think what we can really sink our teeth into is the management aspect you know, so yeah, 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 first okay. and foremost, you know, this is China. The culture is such where people are not taught to think as an individual um, throughout their life. And so I think we talked about this before, maybe in the first podcast that was 
poor quality audio but you know there there it's more of a conformist culture you know people are not taught, taught to be individuals so like in, in the states you know you're taught to be an individual free thinking free spirit think about yourself be successful you know that kind of stuff whereas here it's like follow the rules follow the team follow you know the 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 the, the town you know follow the village kind of stuff exactly mindset, right? exactly um, which is problematic when you are in a startup and you know you need everybody to be on point as an individual because in a startup you know as as the the CEO or the you know the founder you have your own set of work to do and you expect everybody else to be doing their own set of work and you want to not have to do two people's work at the same time mm-hmm. so what in your opinion what are solutions that people can come up with when they start you know hiring and managing people in china a team in china uh i mean patience is is super important and the ability to sit down and and really break things down to to your employees and you know make sure that they have a clear understanding not only of what's in front of them but of what you're you're trying to do and it's just going to take it's going to take repetition. It's going to take reps. It's going to take, you know, them experiencing different aspects of the business in in order for them to get that right. But I think one major thing you can do is you just need to start automizing tasks, you know, building a solid system. So when your employee goes to ship something, for example, you know, it's not, it's not new every time. You know, they have a rubric that they follow and they can go through the steps one by one. And, you know, when, when a client or you have a task that you, that you want to lay out, you should, you should definitely prepare a bullet list for yourself and for that employee and, and you know, checklist, bullet list, keeping things clean and, and, and automized is, is probably the main thing I could say. I a hundred percent agree with automation. I mean, first of all, I'm like, I'm an... I don't know. People probably don't know this about me, but I'm I'm a little bit of a geek, you know. So like uh, automation, possible, possible. <laughs> it's just so smooth, you know. The voice, I, I it yeah. distracts people. These good looks, man. I'm a nerd underneath. Um, yeah, like when it comes to automation and, and apps and all these systems, I love that, and it's something I'm obsessed with. Not just because. I enjoy it and not just because it's important for the business, but I see it, I see the end goal as being, you know, if I systemize and automize, automize everything, I will not have to do as much work five years from now, right? Um, so I'm reading this book right now called The Most Successful Small Business in the World by Michael E. Gerber. And one thing that he had said in the book, I think it was, he has these 10 commandments of, of business. And I think there was a second or the third one. And he was saying you know, everything that a small business, everything that the leader of a small business does, the CEO of a small business should be able to be replicated 10,000 times by people that are not as experienced as you and people that are not as skilled as you. So when I when I read that, I mean, that was just recently, but I've been thinking about this before. I, he put it pretty succinctly, my thought process right now. And one of the things I'm doing is we have all these apps that we use for our business. We use Asana for team management. Uh, we use Google Drive. We use uh, Evernote. Um, what else? What else do we use? Oh, recently we started using Slack for communication Slack. With, with customers. So Asana, Skype, WeChat, Skype, you know, there's, WeChat. There's so many things. So for Asana, for people that don't know it, it's just like you 
you know, it's this app where you have your different projects and then people are subscribed to the different projects and you can assign tasks. So this is good for remote work when, you know, sometimes our interns are also in school. So, you know, if they're not working from the office, I can give them tasks and they know what to do because I'll provide links, I'll provide details and descriptions in the tasks. And then, of right. course, Google Drive is just where we keep all our documents. Again, it's shared work, right? So they they don't have to be connected to our network. It's just out there on the internet. And going back to what Mike was talking about with, with checklists and stuff, we have literally a folder called templates and checklists. And if I open it right now, uh, some of these things are more related to sourcing, but I have a template called shipping, which involves like all the DHL, FedEx documents that they need to fill out for every shipment. And in that template for the shipping, it's not blank. Like I have examples of the information that they need to fill out. And then I have a template called, uh, emails to factories, right? So when we're reaching out to factories, I don't leave anything to chance. So there's a template there. They can copy and paste their name, copy and paste the details of the project. Everything else is, is done. And it's in English and it's in Chinese. I have a template for invoices. I have a template for NDAs. I have a template for QC reports. I have a template Shipping for invoices, sales, everything. sales agreements, sourcing reports, like all these things that I'm creating more and more templates every week just because I see issues and I'm asking them all the time, like, what do you think is difficult? And I also notice when they make mistakes and things that I get frustrated on and I'm like, how do I replicate what I would do and have them do the same thing, at least as close as possible to what I would do? And the only way is to create these templates and leave nothing to chance. How have how do you think they've been uh, receiving them? Do you, do you feel like they pick it up quickly? Yeah, man, I, I'm really happy with our stuff even though i get frustrated sometimes uh i'm happy with them like especially when it's very clear to me like when a mistake happens and i come up with the solution like a template and they start using it it gets fixed you know it's like i can see the okay there's this problem here's the solution when they start using it it works like uh, and that for me makes me happier than you know the frustration that i had before so you know i it's it's work it's definitely work i feel like if we were working with all, you know, Western staff, I probably would not need templates for emails, you know, right. um, stuff like that. But it is what it is, man. I, actually, we were just talking about this bef- before we really got into the podcast. And I was joking about how, you know, in the Karate Kid, you know, the guy that the main character goes to train with Mr. Miyagi in the mountains. Daniel-san. Daniel-san. Keep forgetting his name. Man, I watched that movie when I was like eight years old. You should... You should. <laughs> You'd be surprised that I remember the the plot. But anyways, he goes to train with Mr. Miyagi in the mountains and then he comes back and he's like this badass and you know no one can compete with him because everybody else has just been comfortable. And I look at I look at this kind of management style, this micromanagement style is the same thing. It's like if you're in China, you're training in the mountains and you know, if you can manage a team here <laughs> you can manage I'll a team successfully. Anywhere. Exactly. You can go anywhere else and, and manage a you know, a team fairly easily. So we're talking about templates and, and, and checklists and stuff. Like do you think that eventually you can get to a stage where everything is just perfect with all these templates or do you think there's just always going to be some issues and eventually you need to bring in foreign staff and for them to take over the management um no i think you can get to i i i don't think you could ever get to a point where you're fully automated and things are just running off these rubrics that you've built no i think you'll you always have to have 
you know, a competent manager in place. Now, now if that's not you and you want to be remote, yeah, uh, potentially another foreigner could be the best bet. But I have seen Chinese people, you know, that, that if you've been working with them a long time and you guys have a good, really good rapport and they have a clear understanding of, of what you're doing along with those templates in place that it could be successful. You know, I have, I have a lot of friends and, and a lot of uh, colleagues in, in China that have great Chinese managers working for them. Do you worry about giving control over your business, specifically finances, to a Chinese employee? Um, I think it depends on the person. No, because I've done it before. Uh, I had a girl that handled everything, all, all financial aspects, for about three years, and she was fantastic. I, I had no problems with her on that level but other employees you know it's not an uncommon thing in china to have an employee that skims off the top of your order so they they're responsible for discussing a certain product that you want to make with the factory and they'll set up something with that salesperson hey i'm going to bring you this this order and you cut me in on you know xrmb for for every piece something like this it happens a lot in, in china uh, even if that person's working for you, maybe even if they've been working for you a long time, I've I've seen dozens and dozens of cases where where that ha that's happened. Um, my my good friend had a shoe factory in Guangzhou, and uh, basically they were running it along with another Chinese partner, and um, they bought out from the Chinese partner. So the so the foreign group was was now controlling the factory one hundred percent. And they kept a lot of things in, in in the same place. And my my friend uh, told the floor manager, asked the floor manager, you know, how much is the monthly food budget for 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 the staff? And he says something about along the lines of six thousand RMB. We'll say he said, well, I want to double it. I want to make it twelve, and I want to make sure everybody can you know eat whatever they want, take their time, have a nice food options, and I really want that to be. <laughs> You know, you know, something that we enjoy. Well, what does it sound what, like a good ending? Well, I mean, you know, what happened was the guy said, "Okay, no problem. Yeah, we'll do that." I uh, kept the food budget exactly the same at six thousand a month and pocketed the other six. You know, <laughs> and that's a uh, that's a common story that yeah. that you'll hear in China. Yeah, I just I think people in in Western countries might feel cautious about. I've I've had like okay, I have another guy who's a friend of mine. He's actually in my mastermind group. And what he does with, I mean, it's not a bad thing, but like he's very skeptical about the people that he brings on. And these are not even people that are working full time for him. These are people that are just coming in and work for like a, you know, a specific project. He'll request upfront that they show him or he can make a photocopy of their ID. Um, I don't think it's a bad idea. You know, things happen. Things happen, and there are stories out there, and, and there are people. I, I mean, it's not a big deal if you're not going to do anything. I mean, I'm sure he would have no problem showing those those people his ID. No, you know no, I'm mean? just I'm just saying that he was like, it's like a uh, like even if it's just like, okay, come come make a phone call for me for two hours. He's still, you know what I mean? <laughs> he's so super paranoid. He's very paranoid about. It. I'm not saying like, oh, if if he's if somebody's gonna work with you for like two weeks, yeah, fine. But like, if somebody's just gonna come and you're gonna pay them twenty bucks to make a few phone calls, it's like, you know, <laughs> is it really that necessary? But I, I just, I'm getting into the mindset of people being paranoid about, you know, the financial and private 
information that's involved and feeling scared that hey you know if i have a chinese manager or whatever they're gonna skim money um i just think i don't know i don't know how i feel about it because nothing like that has happened to me in terms of negative in terms of somebody stealing in fact like i've been in china for over a year i haven't really even had situations where cab drivers took money from me like i don't know maybe it's just uh, you know maybe you don't notice that they're jacking your money (laughs) i've had a couple where i know like okay this guy is taking too long to go here and there (laughs) but like i have not had a blatant example like the horror stories that people talk about you know yeah or 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 like even buying electronics you know how people say oh i bought this and it lasted one month like i mean china's in a very particular place you know the way things are growing and the way things have expanded and all the money that's pumped in to these cities and how fast they've grown and how many opportunities there are for you know something like a, a cab driver you know when I first got to Guangzhou seven years ago, that that was very common. Foreigners got jacked for their money all the time, taking a, a, a cab, you know, them swapping out fake 100 RMBs on you, them saying they don't understand. Obviously, me learning Chinese eliminated that completely, but I just think in general, it's far less now because more and more systems are in place. People, people start to learn about those things, and, you know, just Guangzhou is becoming more of a international city and things are becoming more standard. And I think that's just something that's slowly moving through the culture. You know, I think things, even, even something like Alibaba or working with a shipping agent, you know, horror stories do happen and bad things do happen, but I just think it, I think it's progressing and I don't think that's as much of a worry now as it, as it was when I, when I first got to China. I guess going back to the whole managing teams thing, I would say, you know, the advice would be try to tap into your personal network, try to build up your personal network first. And then when you're looking to hire people, tap into your personal network. I mean, if you hire somebody that three or four different people that you know knows and they all vouch for that person, then they're less likely yeah. to screw you over in the future, right? So that that's one right. thing I really like about our staff right now is that, man, like I know... F- 20 other people that know these people so yeah, it, it that's be, great it'd be very, great thing. yeah it'll be very difficult for them to you know pull something really shady and then have yeah. like and, their plus, and, and plus i mean i mean your relationship with them builds over time and you know months into it you're gonna know if that's the type of person you want to entrust finances to or or, or this certain task you know and i think i had that with uh, at our peak we had five employees in the office and i think some of them have particular roles others have you know other roles with the company so you know one person i might trust all the company's money to another person but i couldn't trust them to to load up a truck you know what i mean so you have different (laughs) different tasks for different people obviously i still think eventually if i really want to become location independent and have this business running like sort of passively I'd have to bring in a foreign manager, you know. I just I think that's going to that would have to be uh, just to be safe. I don't think I'd hundred percent trust a Chinese manager. Not because of you know thinking that they're going to steal money or anything like that. Just more culturally and you know for them to follow my vision. I guess you know. Sure, especially since most of the people we deal with on on a customer side are, are foreigners. Yeah. So you want someone that has a very good 
understanding of, of that aspect of the business. Mm-hmm. So even if even if it is a, a, a Chinese person, it's probably a Chinese person that has a ton of experience abroad or is maybe, you know, initially from Canada or, or the States or somewhere. I think that's a good place to leave it, man. Did uh, Was anything that you wanted to add that we didn't touch on? Um, Listen to the Made in China podcast. You're damn right. You're damn right. Uh, by the way, guys, you know, some people have mentioned this to me. Uh, like they have been asking about the outro music. The outro music is on the website, you know, sourcefindasia.com slash made in China. At the bottom of every episode, I put a Spotify playlist called Made in China podcast. And you can subscribe to that or you can just look at the names of the songs and download them illegally for free. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so thanks for listening to the episode. If you want to reach out to us, that's info at sourcefindasia.com, I-N-F-O at S-O-U-R-C-E-F-I-N-D asia.com. And uh, thanks for listening, guys. See you next time. I want the money, money in the cars, cars in the clothes, the hoes. I suppose I just wanna be, I just wanna be successful. I just wanna be, I just wanna be successful. I just wanna be, I just wanna be successful. Trizzy. Oh yeah, Trey, I fucking feel ya. They be staring at the money like it's unfamiliar. I get it, I live it. To me, there's nothing realer. Just enough for all your problems.